Hello, you're listening to season two of Everyday Creative People. I'm your host, Dina Adrians, and this podcast is all about the question, what does it mean to live a life driven by curiosity, creativity, and love over fear? Each week, you can tune in to hear me discussing various topics related to this question with leaders, artists, and entrepreneurs who are each living out this pursuit in their own unique ways. When you've finished listening to today's show, please take a moment to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast, leave a comment, and tell a friend. You can find all the show notes over at dinaadriance.com slash ECP podcast. Now settle in, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Creative People. I'm here with my soul sister, Katie Visco, who has been called a bubbly and offbeat, running, biking, suit making, people loving, community building, exclamation park, exclamation mark, which I think pretty much sums up who Katie is in a nutshell. She and I have known each other since 2007 when we both uh, moved to Boston after college to uh, participate in an AmeriCorps program called City Year uh, and serving young people through leadership development programs. Um, and after that, Katie proceeded to run solo across America in 2009. Uh, promoting the importance of a bold and passion-driven life. She ran from Boston to San Diego, becoming the second youngest and 13th woman overall to ever make that crossing. Um, During that run, she raised funds for the charity Girls on the Run and also stopped to visit 200 audiences while doing that to spread her message. And since then, Katie has been doing all kinds of things as a community builder and entrepreneur. Uh, She has started eight businesses and campaigns. She currently is the proud owner and soup maestra behind Hot Love Soup, which is a soup and bone broth delivery company in both Austin, Texas, and Missoula, Montana. And um, gosh, Katie lives and works to see courage, community, and true connection happen in this world, which is so much of what this podcast is about. So I'm so excited to talk to her about uh, everything that she has done and also some exciting things that she's about to do. So Katie, welcome to the podcast. Yay, podcast with Dina. (laughs) Yay, curiosity. Hi. Thank you very much for having me, Dina. You're so welcome. So Katie... To start off with, can you tell me, you know, I feel like you have started so many things in your life and you've really, you've always been somebody who has really kind of set out to follow your dreams and to live boldly. And I'm curious, what, what is the primary driver behind the way that you live your life? Well, I would just say that love is the first thing that comes to mind, but it's a lot Mm -hmm. more than that. I think that this question is really, really deep. And if I'm going to be perfectly frank and honest with you and everyone listening, it's the primary personal driver for what I'm doing in my life is you only have one life to live. And for some reason, I don't know if I'm endowed with this because of my upbringing or something, or maybe it's just human. 
But for some reason, I want to leave a mark on this planet in the hearts of people that I touch. And so, I mean, I just want to know that my life matters. Like, call that selfish, I don't know. Or the human condition. But I want to make a difference in this life. And so I've thought a lot about this over the last decade as I'm getting into my, in my thirties now, like why have I done what I've done the last 10 years? And I just really want to make my life matter. And I want to affect people and make change, like positive change and just like be a inspirational fairy (laughs) because it, it like, I find fulfillment in that. I I really do. I find so much fulfillment in that. And love makes me feel good. And love makes other people feel good. So I just want to look people in the eye and like give them the time of day and talk about really important, meaningful things, whether it be what is your passion? What is your goal? Like talking about that kind of stuff. So would you say that you in every, all of these different things that you do, would you say that these different things enable you to spark that conversation with people? Oh, heck yes. The things like, you know, I think part of the motto of my life that I hold in my brain and in my heart that drives me or that leads me, I'd say, is that like, I need to be who I want, who I want to see in the, like, I need to live it. And so Hmm. what I do absolutely sparks questions like, what is the real meaning of your life? And what do you hope to contribute with your life? So I have to live it. And that is absolutely like going back to your first question. That's part of the drive too. like, I need to live it because if I don't, then I'm just a hypocrite. I'm just, I just got to do it. And so maybe by Mm -hmm. the things that I've done, it, it, it inspires other people to think about what gives them life and could go out and follow one of their curiosities to make something happen that sparks something inside of them. So yeah, I couldn't, I could definitely say that. So 10 years ago, yeah, you set out to run across the country. Yes. And now you are embarking on a new project that is sort of a a next step from that original one that you did 10 years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Oh, yeah. Okay. So this coming July, we have a start date of around July 15th. I will be running across Australia. And it might seem random to folks, but the reason behind that is for some reason back more than 10 years ago, I've always wanted to run across that country. And I, I don't really know why, but when I think about it now, I do know why. And it's because of the desert. It's because of the absolute desolation and the barrenness of it. And it fascinates me. And now in my life, I feel like I'm mature enough to confront all parts of myself. Hmm. And there's something alluring and exquisite about the desert to me that is going to force me to confront all parts of myself. And so I want to share that journey. I want to share that story. I want to see what comes up in my soul, in my heart, in my brain. And I want to share it with other people. So running across that country is just, it's like a ghost that doesn't go away. And until I start, until I do it, it's not going to die. And so Mm. call that a curiosity. 
call that just something that I don't have specific articulate reasons as to what's driving me full force into doing that run besides what I just said. Um, but it's, it's more curiosity and overcoming worries and fears and what ifs than anything. It is curiosity and I need to be courageous. So that's what that run is about personally. And hopefully that action of telling my story and by doing it will inspire others to think about their lives in a reflective way. Like this run is kind of helping me to. So if I compare what I'm about to do to 10 years ago, like 10 years ago was, oh my God, like I know exactly why I'm running across America and that is to inspire people to find and follow their passions. I'm going to talk to as many people as possible. Like give me an audience. I will talk. It's like more than 200 audiences. That's insane. While also running 25 miles a day. And I think back on that, Katie, and I know that was a very clear articulated reason as to why I was running. Like it was, it was a whole project, but now it's more introspective. And Mm. who's to say that like, curiosity still can't be inspirational. Hmm. What did you think you learned from that first run that you're now holding with you as you go into this second run? You know, that is such a good one because that run back then, like I've thought so much about it, especially now as I'm embarking on this next one, that run, like pardon me if this sounds crazy, but I don't know if I learned terribly all too much Hmm. uh, 10 years ago. And the reason for that is that it was very much a give in in like, when I think about it energetically, it was me out there giving, 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 giving. I mean, I, I, I took in the kindness and generosity of humans that I met along the way. And I took in their life stories. But that run to me in my heart was an act of service. And so the takeaway from that, like, I don't even know. I think it was just an extraordinary experience. And personally, like, wow, I did Mm. that. Like the energy to do that. Whoa. And so that nugget is what I'm carrying forward with me when I get freaked out about running 30 miles a day for four months. Like I can do this because I did that. I can do this energetically and I can do this even though it's not as much perhaps a very blatant, obvious act of service. Mm. There's no, there's no reason to self judge myself coming from that run and comparing it to this run coming up in July that both are powerful. And so you ask what lessons did I take from 10 years ago that I want to apply now? It's really faith, honestly. Just faith that when you have something you're super curious about and you want to do, you've got to at least move forward. And it will come into fruition with hard work. Hmm. Smart work. <laughs> That's what I meant. Smart work. Smart work. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I imagine this is a project that takes a lot. I mean, you're you're effectively running more than a marathon every single day. Yes. And did I hear correctly that the last run you did 25 miles a day and now you're planning to do 30 miles a day? I will correct myself. 
The last run was about 20 miles okay. a day because I definitely needed to stop each day in order to have time to do the speaking, speaking at the schools and groups and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was about 20 miles a day on average for nine months. Okay. Yeah. So this one's a, a, quit, uh, a bit different. <laughs> so you're doing uh, more miles a day in a shorter period of time. Yeah, right. I mean, quickly, just quickly, the reason for that is that sometimes there's like more than 300 miles worth of desolation, I'll call it, between water mm-hmm. and food. And so <laughs> it would behoove me to run more in a day because we just can't carry like three weeks of supplies mm. on the that my husband is pedaling to support us instead of a car. Um, <clears throat> so we kind of need to move a little bit more in a day. That's a side note. So, I mean, it's interesting because I think there are people who will go and do like a six-month meditation retreat. And it almost yes. seems like this for you is your equivalent of a meditation retreat. Yeah. It's honestly kind of like a pilgrimage. And I'm mm. going to find out. Like, I'm just going. Isn't that a Cat Stevens song, actually? Like, I just want to go to find out. And I think it is a Cat Stevens song. I listen to it all the time. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, like, talk about curiosity. Like, just going to find out. Yeah. It could be a pilgrimage. It could be like a meditation mm. retreat. And the, I think the question on the end of that is to find out what, right? And, and I think I'm hearing that you're not necessarily right. sure what it is that you're going to find out. Nope. It's more just to let the process unfold before you. Exactly. I have no clue what I'm going to find out. I don't even want to think about <laughs> it. I just want to go to find out something. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Has there ever been, I mean, I think you're somebody who I think of as being extremely confident and um daring and courageous in a lot of ways um is there and is there ever a moment where you struggle with doubt oh oh are you kidding me absolutely i'm a human (laughs) yeah definitely as it as it pertains to this upcoming trip i definitely have doubts about my body's ability Mm. to physically do this. I think about it every day. I have doubts. It's just, that's just the way it is. And so something that I gleaned from like a famous rock climber said something like, in order to combat fear, what he did is he just prepared, 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 practice, practice, practice. And that is the only thing that I can do both physically and mentally Mm. like envisioning myself out there being strong running the miles I need to cover and then also practicing by training for the next five months of course Mm. but you know doubts on a on a level that's like not related to this upcoming trip like doubts on my worthiness Mm. um like worthiness in terms of like I'm about to do this thing. It's very offbeat. It's 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 very strange, so to speak. And I don't think, like Henley and I and our adventuresome friends understand the uniqueness of this trip and the fact that it's really going to be burly, and not having a vehicle and having bicycle instead, just because we love the the planet, um, is a real undertaking. And something like this, 
we have not come across anything like this is that that has been done. Mm. It's quite a risk actually. Um, and so to, to like try to have that come across as like, this is some high stakes stuff. This is unique, but yet our general audience might not get that. So that plays into some doubts I might have about my worthiness. Like who am I to go off and have a pilgrimage for, for five months? Mm. Uh, like who am I to do that? Like, we don't have much savings, but who am I to go and do that right now? Um, and then, like, doubts, like, is this really going to help people? Like, I really want this to help people. How How is this worthy of helping people? Mm. And then it starts into, like, what what am I doing with this trip? And then, obviously, it can start getting to my head of, like, are you, are you making the right decision with your next step, Katie? So yeah, I have, I have doubts, but again, like courage and curiosity needs to trump my fears and my doubts. And that is absolutely what is motivating me to push through. In fact, I wish you could see this. I have a map of Australia on my wall Mm -hmm. right now and a little sign I made that I put on the map just like in fun letters, it says embrace courage. Mm. And so above all else, this is a trip about courage and curiosity over fear, which is so in line with your message of your podcast yeah. this month and in general, like that, that's what it's all about. Like, that's what I want to tell about. Mm. And in general, like in life. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Like, it's kind of interesting to think about it because curiosity to me in and of itself is its own why. Mm. Like, there's a lot of talk out there like, what's your why? What are you doing this for? Especially in the adventure slash trip world, like, what's your cause? Yeah. And so I want to give life to curiosity. I want to give value and worth to curiosity because I might not have a huge why that people in general can understand besides curiosity. Mm. And that's a why in and of itself. I think that's the essence of creativity, of creation. Like, yeah, the, it's so, it's almost like the purest, it's almost the purest motivation, right? Because I think so often we stop ourselves from following our curiosity. And as a result, we never have the opportunity to uncover or to discover the things that we might find. Right. And so, yeah, I, I I think it's, it's uh, to go purely because of curiosity is an opportunity to allow creativity to happen. Totally. I love what you just said. I completely agree. What a beautiful thing. Like curiosity is the mother of creativity. Mother and father, or something. <laughs> Gender neutral. <laughs> Gender neutral parents. Neutral <laughs> yes. What a great thing you just said there. So, okay, this is obviously a huge part of your life right now, 
in this moment and in general, but it's not the only thing that you're doing in life. As I mentioned earlier in your bio, you founded Hot Love Soup, um, which is a soup and bone broth delivery company. Um, And originally, actually, it was soup and bone broth delivery by bicycle. Is that still the case? Yeah. So (laughs) I'm living in Missoula now, right? And so it's all delivered on bicycle here where I am. However, I have a partner, an associate in Austin, and it is delivered by vehicle in Austin because she doesn't bike. She doesn't bike commute. (laughs) So, um, but wherever I am, it's delivered on bike. Yes. So hot loves. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about the origin of hot love soup? Because I think this is like, when I think of you, this is like (laughs) one of my strongest associations. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. The origins of hot love soup. I think you were at the original you were at the origin. You were you were at the I starting probably point was. Soup, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it might have been the winter of 2007 slash 2008 where I was like, okay, well, you and I were both in Boston doing sitting here. This was just, you know, right after college for me. And <clears throat> I'm in Boston, this new place, a bustling city. All these city are friends and cool people. I'm like, I want to build community. Like, let's bring people over and have fun and make friends in this new city. <laughs> yeah, I'm an adult out of college. And so I decided to make a bunch of soup and invite everybody over. And community soup parties were born. And every month after that, and actually for the next, I don't know. I mean, I'm doing them here in Montana. So it's been over a decade since 2007. <laughs> Over a decade. Yeah. Whenever I'm in a place, like every month, there's a community soup party where it is meant to build interconnectedness between all of us because just sharing a meal with people is so mm. powerful. And, um, you know, we were poor ish at the time back in City Year on food stamps. So it's like soup was the most economical thing for me to make for a bunch of people back then. So that's soup. And I just come to really love making it. It's like one pot, everything goes in, everyone eats from the same pot. It's beautiful. So community soup parties went on and on and on through my years in Boston. And then I moved to Austin, Texas in 2011 and did soup parties there. And it was such a powerful community. Like there were three into, there were three people or six people, but three couples who ended up getting married what? out of meeting from a That's soup amazing. party. <laughs> I know. I know. It's amazing. It's so fun. So that was Austin. And one day, I think this was December 2011, something like that. Um, my friend asked, we were talking about like, let's all go to Costa Rica and co-work together. And there was four of us because we all were like working remotely, working for ourselves. Like, let's take a trip and, you know, do work while we're out there. And I'm like, man, I don't think I have 500 bucks to to spend on this trip and the flights and everything. And he asked me, what's one thing you can do to earn 500 bucks really quick? He's like, you make really good soup, right? Why don't you sell some soup? And so I I started some soup. I made a Facebook page and my goal was just to make 500 bucks to go to Costa Rica. So I made 500 bucks, but never went to Costa Rica. <laughs> what happened to your Costa Rica trip? <laughs> I know. I don't know. It was maybe just a wild idea, but it just didn't happen. Anyway, so it started with like, oh man, I want to brighten people's days and I love making soup. So 
I started a Facebook page and it was all about the surprise. Where, oh yeah. Yeah. It was like reaching out to people, say, Hey, do you love anyone? <laughs> do you want to send soup to anybody? I'm starting this business really quick. I want to go to Costa Rica. Do you want to buy a quart of soup? And I'll bike over to your friend and deliver it to your friend that you love with a song and dance or message or poem <laughs> or whatever. And that took off like wildfire. I will say like, I, I, there's so many darn surprises that I did in Austin. And it's like so many stories of rapping in public places or dressing up like a mummy on Halloween and being like, a, it's just, it's just hilarious. So, but that grew into what people wanting a little bit more robust of a service. So I started with weekly soup delivery as a meal mm. for your weeks, like meals for your week. So it grew into something that was a livelihood for myself. And it's been a livelihood for myself for, I think, eight years now. Wow. Yeah. It's been a fun, fun existence mm. with that company. It's so fun. And has that actually been your, your primary source of income for those, these eight years? Yes. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't make much, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's been, been my jam. And you never, you never set out with the intention that it would become your primary source of income. No, not at all. It was a curiosity that led to something that could help me eat. <laughs> a livelihood, I mean. <laughs> you eat by helping yeah. other people to eat. <laughs> Yeah, we all eat. Eat, eat. Mm. <laughs> Apart from your personal income and a couple of marriages, which is a pretty big accomplishment in and of itself, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. is there anything else that you've seen emerge out of either the soup parties or the soup delivery business that has been really oh, wow. rewarding or surprising? Oh my gosh. Honestly, just... That's such a good question. I haven't thought about that. But the first thing that comes to mind is these soup parties mean so much to me. I've seen so many people just honestly, whenever I host a soup party, and sorry, everybody who's hearing this who comes to soup parties or who has been to soup party, but I honestly just really enjoy sitting in a corner and just like watching people. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that I do this, like I never just sit in a corner, but if I could just sit in a corner and watch people connect, it brings me so much joy. Like I just want to watch it all unfold because mm. it's like the true essence of life. It's so beautiful. Like come together, eat food together and talk to one another, like get to know each other. So what's come out of this, all these things regarding the soup stuff is just a reconfirmation of like, oh my gosh, I need to connect with people because if I see people connect at these soup parties and it's so joyful and I believe we still need more of it, it's like, of course, every day I'm going to look somebody in the eye and ask them who the, how they're doing. Like, it definitely penetrates into my life every day. Mm. Like, I have to give people the time of day because everybody is valuable. And I see that unfold at soup parties. Mm -hmm. Everybody becomes worthy and valuable. And you have a, I mean, it, in, in my memory, you will literally invite people that you met that day to come to a soup party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody. 
Everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. People bring their friends. Yeah, everybody. Their babies. Yeah. <laughs> their babies. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. It's just so amazing to me. Like, I have so much gratitude for people showing up. Like, people come. And that, to me, is all that's people do want to connect. Yeah. Like, people do want to share. It's interesting to me that, you know, this is... I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking about like, what is the recipe of soup party success, <laughs> right? Because I mean, I think, mm. I do think that like you at its core are a huge part of it and that like your personality is just one that is very open and inviting and bubbly and, you know, that I think is a natural attractor. But I find it interesting that this is something that has been so successful in cities as different as Boston and Austin. Yeah, and Missoula, Montana. And Missoula, Montana, right. Like, because I think, you know, if you think about like, okay, well, the soup parties mostly have happened in Austin and that's where your soup delivery business was born. And people always think of Austin as being kind of a weird city, right? So like, you know, it's, I think it can be easy to be like, oh yeah, well, of course that could happen in Austin, but like, that's not going to happen anywhere else. But the truth of it is that it can happen and has happened um, in three very different places. Absolutely. And I'm curious if you have thoughts on like, what is the, you know, apart from you (laughs) and the elements that you bring, what do you think is the recipe for success? Um, I don't know if this has to do with me or not but what I think is a huge part of it is the invitation Hmm. like I do believe what you just said it could happen anywhere but I also think people are the same everywhere I'm just I'll just say you know in America and probably everywhere but just like the desire to be seen and loved can Basically, the invitation is a host's opportunity to love and see another human person. So I think it's all an invitation, to be honest. Like, it doesn't matter what soups you're serving. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how many people are going to be there or, or what day it's on. It matters that you care about somebody enough to invite them. And in the past, I've sent a little message or an email to individuals, like one-on-one, I'm saying it would be really awesome if you came. I think you'd really like it. Obviously, there's a mass email that goes out to everybody with the invitation. But, you know, if I think of somebody who's like, you'd really, really like this, or somebody that I meet and like, can I have your email address? Because I think you'd really like the soup party I'm having on Sunday. So just to like think about another human being for another moment in your day and letting them know that you thought about them through the invitation. I really think that the Mm. invitation does a lot and like one style of inviting or just the fact that you take the time to invite somebody, a particular somebody. Mm. I've thought a lot about this in terms of your question. I've thought about your question quite a bit. And that, that to me is the kicker, how you invite, how you invite. (laughs) Yeah. And that you take the time to Mm. see somebody and love somebody through the invitation in your own special way. That's something I've, I've noticed. Mm. How do you, how do you find ways to maintain that genuine connection in an, in this age of digital connection? 
and oh. easy invitations through Facebook. Oh my! <laughs> and digital overwhelm. I want to ask you that question. <laughs> like that's honestly, that's a question that I would want to ask every single human. I, I, uh, that is so, that is such a good question that I don't even know what to say to it. Like, I don't want to poo poo. Mm. I don't want to poo poo like the means of inviting that are efficient. Like texting is a wonderful way to invite somebody because it, it is a moment in time where you can send an individual text yeah. to one person and they'll feel like, oh, she thought of me. And I always send the invites on email. Um, I don't do Facebook anymore. Like, I don't want to poo-poo all that stuff, but I do appreciate your question, like, how to remain genuine when there's so much content and so much information out there. Um, I ask myself this all the time, and all I can come up with is just keep being myself. Mm. Like, a human in the real world just out there interfacing with other humans and golly, I would love to know your thoughts on this or just, this is such a good question. Such a good question. Yeah. I mean, my thoughts are, you know, something that I've been thinking about recently is like just trying to be more mindful in everything that I do. Mm. Yeah. And I think part of that is, minimizing the amount of time that I'm spending on social media and um, that I'm allowing myself to sort of get sucked into things. I also like, yeah, I'm on a couple different like group WhatsApp text messages. And, you know, I've been having a couple conversations with people recently about like, I, I was talking to somebody who said she recently deleted herself from her family's group text message. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she was like, you know, it probably seemed really strange to my family, but like, it's been the most incredible thing because as a result of no longer being part of the group text, I'm able to make more deliberate, thoughtful connections with individuals. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so inspired. Yes. Yes. That's something that's really been sitting with me. Um, and I've been thinking about that a lot recently. Yeah. You know, how can I step away from the collective conversation in order to invest more in the individual conversation? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, because I think the collective conversation can be really overwhelming. There's so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, not that you should remove yourself entirely. Um, you know, I mean, you could, I think, depending on the individual, but you know, that, that being more mindful about when you step into the collective conversation versus the individual yeah. conversation. Yeah. So I, I've thought about that a lot with Instagram cause that's the only platform I'm on. And that is the one thing that I think about a lot is actually, it's actually a pretty important concept, I think, because I think a lot of people on Instagram are thinking this where it's like, it's a game you have to play if you want to promote anything out there, that's anything. Yeah. Um, like part of it is like, if you're having your own business, if you're like, if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if, if you're kind of making your own way in life, it seems to me that it's a game you have to play at the same time. I am so curious if you can still play the game without this platform that maybe so many of us in this space think we need. 
And so I'm struggling kind of big time with like thinking I need to do this because like in the realm of athletes, it's a lot of the talk of like, you really kind of need to have your numbers. But can I can I take a stand and really do what I want to do? And that's like, I want to write handwritten letters to potential sponsors. Mm. Like I I want to go out for coffee to with my friend. So I'm I'm really struggling every day, like whenever I feel like I need to post on Instagram, mm-hmm. which is fun. It's creative. It's fun. But I really just don't want to do it. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather just send an individual letter, which I still do, or emails or text messages are even better in my mind in terms of true connection or call or getting together. I don't know. Yeah, but I think I mean I, I think that that question of of genuine. I mean, it, it, I, I'm curious about it genuine, in part because yeah. I think that the genuine human connection is such a core part of your personal creativity and contribution. Yes. And so, you know, I, I think it's, it's an interesting question to sort of ponder. And, you know, I think you've already made some deliberate steps in terms of stepping away from Facebook, for example. But there's, yeah. there's a balance to be had, as, as you said. Well, we need to bring this conversation to a close. But before we do so, are there any sort of final thoughts that you want to share? Oh, man. Final thoughts. The biggest theme that we already touched on, but the biggest theme for me right now in life and that I hope like maybe some of your listeners and you and just everybody can think about in their own lives is like curiosity being enough. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I've thought and felt into this concept of enoughness with myself because like I'm always doing things, but the doing isn't necessarily what's making me valuable. Um, it can be in a certain extent, but deep down, if I'm not following the things that I'm have curiosity about, then I'm like just a dull, limp noodle. <laughs> so I just want to leave people with like, think about this. Like, can curiosity be enough? Can it be enough? And I just want to go out there next in my life and kind of prove that it can be. Yeah. Thank you for leaving us yeah. with that little thought spark. All right, Katie. So if people want to follow your journey, where can they find you? Ah, well, you can write me a letter. (laughs) I'm at 1700 Howell Street in Missoula, Montana, Montana, 59802. I love that. Um, You can email me. But, uh, you know, my email is on my Mm -hmm. website. It's really katievisco.com. All right. You can find all the information there and learn about the past, the current, the future trips and things. Amazing. And on Instagram, you're also just at Katie Visco, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Katie. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Great questions, Dina. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Everyday Creative People. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please don't forget to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast. Leave a comment and make sure you tell your friends to come listen. And remember, we'll be back with another episode next Monday.